0: Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Rob Schallenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Rob is a best-selling author, former F-16 fighter pilot, Air Force One advance agent, world-renowned keynote speaker, and corporate trainer who's trained Fortune 500 companies around the world, executive coach, father of four, and the CEO of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Now, here is Rob Schallenberger. All right, Becoming Your Best
1: listeners, welcome back to our podcast wherever you're at in the world today. Well, we have a special guest with us today, and one of the reasons that I invited him on, and I'll, I'll introduce him here in just a minute, is because twice a year as a company, We do an entrepreneur success boot camp to help entrepreneurs, whether internal or external entrepreneur, to really take their idea and create it into a thriving reality. And everyone's at a different place in that process. Some people are stuck in the idea generation phase. You know, how do you take that idea and build it into something great? Other people are well down that path and they're looking at how do you scale your business and really grow it. And and so everyone's somewhere on that path at some point who's in the entrepreneur world. And so about a year and a half ago, we saw the need to create that Entrepreneur Success Boot Camp. And since then, we've tried to periodically invite one or two people onto these podcasts who can really help the audience in that arena. And out there, as our listeners, the truth is, whether we're running a business or, or not, it doesn't matter. This is going to apply to everyone because it's two things. It's both a mindset and a skill set. And you're going to hear some great advice today. And really, those can be those things that you're going to hear can be applied to almost any area of your life at some phase or another. And so with that being said, uh, I've got one of my close friends, Rob Nelson, with us today. And not only is he a neighbor, but like I mentioned, he's a close family friend. And he just has an incredible family and background and story, uh, which you'll hear a little bit about. Uh, Rob, and he'll tell you this, just as a brief background, has started several different businesses and currently is in the process of building one called Grow.com which is just a phenomenal company helping other businesses succeed and create a dashboard. And, and maybe he can explain that, but Rob, welcome to the podcast and so grateful you're here today. Hi Rob. Good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, maybe if you could just give everyone a little 30 second background and description on Rob Nelson. And I know that's hard to talk about yourself, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but just as a little background on who you are and, 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 and what you're doing. Sure. Sure. So
2: I started a company called grow and, um, we help companies accelerate their growth by helping them track and measure the right things in their business, almost like a command center for your company. So whether it's sales or financial or marketing data, we pull all of that together in real time so that companies can operate faster and make better and quicker decisions. So that, that's uh, that's what we do as a company. Um, personally, um, I've got five kids passionate about fly fishing and, um, and, uh, the family and, and, um, and work and building this company.
1: Yeah. And I wish everyone could see your home. He has this beautiful pond out in front of his house. So when he says fly fishing, it's not like he has to walk far, not only in his pond, but then he has one of the top 10 fly fishing spots in the nation, uh, within about 200 yards of his house. So <laughs> yeah,
2: Provo river is great to walk out and fish is, is really great some point after I'm done working, I'll enjoy it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Part of being an entrepreneur, right? That's right. Well, let's get into this and and feel free to bring in some of your background and experiences with Grow and, and some of the other things you've done. And remembering on this podcast that there's really people from all over the spectrum and, and not only in the U.S., but there's people in the Philippines and Rwanda, all over the world, Australia, that are listening to this podcast. So a lot of different dynamics and backgrounds. And a lot of people, Rob, have had an idea of some sort throughout their life. And they say, man, if I could just take this idea and do something with it. And we're talking whether it's a stay-at-home parent, anyone. And so if someone was starting from scratch in that sense, what are some things that they would need to be thinking about if they wanted to build a successful business? Even if it wasn't you know, something that they wanted to become Boeing or Walmart, maybe it's something you want to start at their home. Or maybe they do want to create something that will be a Boeing or a Walmart. What are some things that you would suggest to them in that process of starting out?
2: Yeah. So, um, I'd say two things and, and, um, for me as an entrepreneur and other entrepreneurs probably listening to this, um, I don't like being told what to do. (laughs) And, um, so in in a spirit of that, I'll share, you know, my experiences with this versus like advice to the listeners. So, um, when I started to grow, I mean, I had just sold a company and was looking at what do I, what do I want to do next? And, Um, so I just made a list and I wrote down five things that, uh, five things that a new company or a new idea needed to match up and didn't need to hit all five. Um, if it did, that would be like the ultimate, but as I had different ideas and thoughts, you know, I'd bounce it up against my, my top five list. And if they met two of the five or three to the five, I threw it to the side. Um, I looked Hard at those that were, you know, maybe four or five out of the five. So one of them was I needed to stick with what I know. I didn't know anything about. I, I don't know anything about consumer products like buying and selling tennis shoes or manufacturing tennis shoes. Um, I know B two B services, and so I said, okay, that's something I know. I'm going to stick with that. The other thing is I needed reoccurring revenue. That was really important to me. Um, and th- there was these three other items, and and so. That's one is, you know, that that's one area that I did is just I made a list and um, I narrowed down. It helped me to create this this focus and narrow down my ideas to those that um, met what was most important to me. The other thing that I've seen people do is, you know, somebody will come to me and say, hey, I'm, I've been working on this idea, you know, and I say, how long have you been working on it? And they'll say something like uh, two years um, okay. You know, what, what customers do you have? Oh, I don't have any customers yet. I'm just still kind of tweaking the model and still working on it. It's like, you know, <laughs> revenue trumps everything. So Rob, the other thing people will say is that I've, I've been approached by people who will, who will come to me and say, Hey, I've been working on an idea. Um, can I get your insight on this? And I'll ask how long you've been working on this business. And, um, It'll be like a year or two years and I ask about sales and they don't have anything and they just have been tweaking the model and working on the business, but no revenue yet, no customers. And, um, so that's, that's the other, um, experience that I've had is just, you've you've got to get started and revenue trumps everything. And as you get revenue and get sales in the door, um, you'll figure out your market, you'll figure out the customer and the pain points and what you need to do with the product or service to make it work.
1: Yeah. Those are great thoughts. And do you have Rob, the other three, you mentioned the two stick with what you know sure. in the recurring revenue. Do you have the other three? I do. So my, here, here were my five. Now this isn't, um,
2: you're, you're going to have a different list or whoever's listening. This may have a different list. My five were number one is that I need to stick with what I know. I know B2B services. Number two is that I wanted reoccurring revenue. Number three was that it needed to be software or technology focused because that's where I geek out on and get really passionate about. (laughs) Number four was that I wanted it to scale, not just, you know, in the city I live in or the state or the, the country, but I wanted international customers and I wanted to deal with that challenge and opportunity. And then the fifth one was the ultimate. If I could get this fifth one or all five, um, it, it would. It, it was looking really good, which is I wanted to solve a problem I personally faced and personally dealt with growing a company. My last company, I was building software for high volume shippers um, like Target and, and uh, Columbia Sportswear. and And I was taking their feedback and building what I thought was kind of cool, but I just um, I wasn't in their shoes and I wanted to solve a problem I personally dealt with.
1: That is an awesome list. You know, and I hope that people took the time to write some of those down because like you said, you know, it may shift a little bit, but having a vision and a criteria is so important for an idea, particularly number one, which is to stick with what you know. Uh I watched a company and, and a friend of ours lose a billion dollars because they got outside of something that was their core competency and they just threw a ton of money at it knowing nothing about it. And, and they lost virtually all yeah. of their money. Yeah. Uh, it was just crazy to watch that happen. And so that's a great list of criteria that you have there. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned about getting started, there's this, there's this balance right between people who take their idea and they jump right into execution and, and they lose all their money and their capital right up front because they went right to execution without betting the idea first and setting up some of the systems and processes. However, the other side of the coin is, like you said, there are people that will stew over their idea for two and three and four and five years and never bring it to fruition because they are waiting for the perfect model to unfold. And what you said is key. Go out there and start getting experience, right? Finding out what the customer it, wants. And, yeah, and
2: Absolutely. There is no great time to start a business. I mean, uh,
1: there really
2: there really isn't. Whether it's like, uh, you know, I just got married or we, we have kids <laughs> or, you know, I'm, I'm still in school. There, There is no perfect time to start. Um, you just have to jump in and and do it and you can do it in this lean startup approach where, um, it's, uh, you don't bet a billion dollars going into it. You know what I mean? You you know, you can take these small steps to, to validate, but, you know, as you start, you know, we went through this at grow where we started and what I built was not what, what the market wanted. And you go through what's called a product market fit phase of trying to dial in what you're offering that really solves the pain point for the customer and um, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I think one of the things we did right one of the things we did right was that I just said nothing else matters other than getting this product market fit and solving the pain point for the customer and just you know became obsessed over it
1: <laughs> what you just said is. Such a reinforcement of what happens at the ESP, the Entrepreneur Success Bootcamp. So one of the things that we just try to hammer home over and over and over is that no business plan that we know of has ever survived first contact with the customer. And oh, yeah. What you've done That's grow, why I hate
2: business plans.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <and> <laughs> it's it, a waste of time. And what you've done at Grow is you pivoted. And so you introduced something, you got the data from it, and you pivot. And number one, you didn't fall so in love with your idea that you said, we're going to force this to work in the market you made a pivot based on what you saw that they really wanted and started serving their needs rather than continuing trying to force something that they weren't necessarily wanting.
2: That's right. And as, as an entrepreneur, we all get really hung up on our solution and you've got to obsess over the problem versus your solution out there. And, And when you think through of the problem and, and what the customers are really facing, um, you know, your solution changes and modifies, and, and what you thought was really cool um, needs to be pivoted on. And uh, and, and I, I mean, Rob, I thought we nailed this coming out of the gate. You know, and I thought, like, uh, you know, we no pivots here. Like, I've got this dialed. I know the pain. I've been there, and I was still off. You know what I mean? So we had to re architect and rebuild, and it was a painful year.
1: Oh, yeah. And it happens all the time, doesn't it?
2: Oh yeah. So let's shift yeah. a
1: little. Let's shift a little further down the road, really to where you are, and it's where we are, and a lot of companies are. Is they're scaling their business now. They've got something that the customer likes. They want it, and then they face all these consummate challenges of scaling the business. And so, based on your experience, you built and sold one business already, and you're in this process with Grow, really scaling it to become something that's an international force, as is becoming your best. And so, what are some thoughts and ideas that you could share that would help people? scale their business. And there are a lot of people that fall into this category of they've got the idea, they've got something that's viable, they're generating revenue, and that's where they're kind of stuck. And so what would you what are some things that could help them move their business forward and scale it?
2: Yeah. So um here's some some again some experiences that around this, which is that one of the mistakes I made is that I just spent too much time in marketing and spending money in marketing when we didn't have product market fit. Hmm. Um, and I think that, that, you know, if I were to go back, I wouldn't have spent a dime there. I would have just solved the problem for the customer and get enough feedback from the customer to say, Hey, this is working really well. This really helps me in my business. Um, and yes, I'm getting a ton of value out of it. Um, and so, uh, getting there. And then once, once you feel like you're there, you know, the next thing for us was really getting in the metrics and dialing those metrics, um, in so that you can apply fuel to the fire, you know, and that's where you scale. So, you know, for this company, um, I raised venture capital money. And when you go out and raise investor, you know, money from outside investors, Um, they kind of look at different stages. They look at like, have you found that product market fit and how much are you spending in marketing right now? And if you were to, uh, and, and we were at the time we raised money, I think we were spending maybe five or $8,000 a month. And they said, okay, if that, if you 10 X that and you start spending $80,000 a month up front at the top of the funnel in the marketing, what does that do? And you've got to feel confident that, you know, the systems are, and everything's in place that you can just dump fuel to the fire and the engine is, is running and and keeps cranking away. So, um, you know, a, a few of those metrics, what that looks like for us is like our sales efficiencies there. So are our reps hitting quota and is the quota bringing in enough revenue to, um, you know, c- cover, I mean, obviously their expenses, but, um, but a lot more than that. And is the customer acquisition costs in line? So how much are we paying to get one of those customers? And when do we get paid back from that customer? And there's, there's a few other things that are important to our business, but I'd say there's a few key metrics and, um, uh, that we've had to dial in. Um, and then once those have dialed in, we can pour more money into the marketing funnel. Um, and, and the other thing we've looked at is that, you know, you look at your whole company as a funnel, right? You've got what, what comes in at the very top and then what comes down to a customer and then what, you know, what does that funnel look like through the customer life cycle, and the whole company and experience that the customer has is this funnel. And how do you optimize each area of the funnel? So it's an interesting approach As you know, as, uh, as a CEO, as, as it's going, you kind of look at different bottlenecks and different areas of the funnel that, you know, you need to go and widen that funnel out or fix the problem in that funnel in that area of the business, which is, you know, ultimately the CEO's role.
1: Yeah. And I love your comment. I just, I just, was typing there a little bit while you were writing. uh, Too much time marketing without the right product fit. And that's one of the reasons that the companies who don't pivot end up failing, isn't it? In other words, they just keep pumping all this inordinate amount of money into either marketing, development. And if the product doesn't fit the market, eventually they just run out of capital. Uh,
2: That's that's like the number one. You just nailed it. I I think – I mean I see it all the time where they get a little bit of product market fit and so that they run hard and fast and spend money there. And it just never really is great for the customer or a great experience. So the customers go elsewhere and then they have churn problems and then they can't raise enough money from outside sources or enough money from customers to cover the company and just flounders. And then, you know, that's where you go to die. And I think the number one role of the CEO, the number one job of the CEO is don't run out of cash.
1: <laughs> yeah. That is that's great it. advice. Yes. <laughs> it's like the life. It's like the blood in a body, right? It's without it. You just don't live. Uh, <laughs> there's another, there's another phrase that I often used that ties right in with what you said. And that is to shoot the bullet before you fire the cannon. And I I've watched countless organizations. They say, Hey, I know this is going to work. And so I'm just going to have this massive ad spend or whatever else. And they're going to shoot the cannon up front. We say, no, stop, stop, stop. Uh, how can you test this how can you pilot on a small scale so that you're shooting the bullet and then once you know it works or you know here's a couple of adjustments we need to make now it's working now fire the cannon and then you also mentioned something about KPI tracking or key performance indicators mm-hmm. in other words knowing our numbers right because so for example facebook marketing if you know that you put in $1 of ad spend and you're getting $3.20 out well if you're spending 8000 a month then in theory if you spend 80000 a month knowing your data you're going to have three times those results. Now that may or may not be the case with every KPI, but once you know the data, then you can make objective based decisions rather than just winging it and saying, well, we'll just throw some money here and see if it works.
2: Yeah. And in, and in scaling, um, and, and we're in that stage of hyper growth mode. I mean, I'll, I'll come in maybe once a month and we, I mean, we track, we're a metrics company, right? So this is what we do. And we've, we've, we've got all of our own stats and we're all familiar with it, but, once a month I'll come in and just ask question after question um, for maybe a half a day and we'll pull that data and build a report and it will answer a question lead us to another question. And um, and all I'm trying to do is to get an understanding of where to place those bets um, and where where do we need to improve and, and focus energy and resources on. And I, the whole purpose and why I started Grow was that, you know, I, I did this process at the last company, went from being the entrepreneur that just had no real plan and was just kind of working his guts out and expected everybody around him to work their guts out, um, to kind of stepping back and saying, what are the real drivers of the company? What really accelerates it? And as we started tracking those metrics and then became transparent with those metrics around the company, it had the greatest impact it it was the most transformational thing I did as the CEO. And, um, the process of doing that was just really painful. And that's what sparked this idea of how do I create that, but in an easier way for companies to, to measure this, um, because the impact is, is, um, tremendous.
1: Well, and you just touched on something there that is the, and we haven't really mentioned it. It's a different podcast than this one, but, That's the other thing. An entrepreneur can get away with not necessarily having great leadership skills when there's only the entrepreneur and maybe a small handful of people involved. They can get away with that, even though it still makes a huge difference. When a company wants to scale, this is where leadership now becomes and plays a huge role, doesn't it? I mean, you're talking about coming in and setting up these metrics that you periodically check and other things and helping fuel the fire. If a person doesn't have the ability to bring out the best in their employees, and to help them want to see why they fit into the bigger picture, it's gonna be very hard to scale. And so I got yeah. that. Up. Yeah, go ahead.
2: And that's it's spot on. And I feel like I'm I'm learning that over again, right? Because when you when you're in startup mode as the entrepreneur, you're doing a lot. And it's like, you know, you don't really for me it was like, I don't care about my leadership style, I don't care about this. Like I've gotta I've gotta survive. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know, a survival, I've got, right? I've got to make this work. And then as it starts to work, you start to build the team and that, you know, I've got to come back to say, okay, I've really got to improve and, and become the leader that can take this, um, uh, to the next level. And, you know, as you've being the CEO, I think you've got to be the fastest learner in the company, um, to make sure that the company doesn't outgrow you.
1: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That is great advice, and you know, and some people are able to do that, and some people aren't, and it's important to recognize that. Uh, but everybody can learn and build their skill set and mindset. I have learned that over and over, even people who thought they couldn't, and it is a learnable skill. Um, it, here's another question, Rob, as we're getting low on our time. Here we'll have a few minutes left. You have all of this experience, and what's what's a story from all of that experience, whether it was with your previous business or with Grow? as you've gone through this entrepreneurial journey, what's one of the stories or experiences that has had a big impact on your life, something that you could relate to other people.
2: Yeah. So, um, when I sold my last company, I, uh, I stayed on to the company that bought us and it was a much larger company. And, um, and as I no longer had those decision-making abilities and, um, and that creative freedom, um, I just became really frustrated and I was complaining and I, you know, my dad was, has always been my mentor and I was complaining to him. I was like, yeah, this is lousy. I hate this job. Like, you know, I think I'm going to go do, I'm going to, I think I'm going to go start a company because this is just lame. And uh, his response was so good. I mean, he said, Hey, uh, don't start a company because your job sucks or because you're unhappy in your company. That's not the motivation that will, make it successful start a company because the opportunity that you're missing is what's keeping you up at night Hmm. and i thought about that and i really had to just kind of wait until i was at a point to say the the opportunity i'm missing by not doing this is what's driving me nuts um and i so i love that advice and i i do think that that you know changed my life is that um it wasn't fueled by frustration at a lame job. It it was fueled by, you know, the opportunity to create and build and know that, you know, uh, it was going to be, it was going to work and be successful.
1: Uh, that is a pretty cool, pretty cool story. And then I just pulled up that list of the five criteria that then you set after that, I'm guessing uh, as you started thinking about the new opportunity yeah. and a couple uh-huh. of those things, not only sticking with what you know, but sticking with something that got you excited. You said that your passion and, and what you love to do lies in software and tech. Uh, that it's not in retail, if I remember correctly.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so p- people that are going to get excited about it or want to do something. Why not do something that lies in your area of passion, something that you get excited about? Uh, now, everything may burn out on us eventually, but when you start something, man, what I've experienced and seen is that people who are doing something that they love to do and want to do tend to do so much better than those who are starting something where they're just going through the motions or the, or the rhythm and telling and doing something that someone else told them to do. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe to counter that too, my last
2: company, we did freight auditing. I mean, it's a combination of the two most boring things in the world, right? (laughs) Freight and auditing. And we stuck it together to make a company. And, um, yet I was like so passionate about it. I never thought I'd be into it, but it, it, you know, the passion for me came from building and creating and adding value to others and the feedback from customers saying, hey, this really helped me. And this helped me in my job. This helped me get ahead. Thank you. And it's worth worth what we pay. And so, you know, the passion is super important. But also don't get hung up on, you know, I'm not going to do anything until I'm like, you know, you, you know I, I find the ultimate passion. Because in the work and in the process and creating and building – um, entrepreneurs find passion in that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, great point. And that is, I wonder how many times we've sat and just said, you know, I'm going to wait until the perfect business comes along and it's gotta be something I love like snowmobiling. I'm going to go out there and build a snowmobiling business. so I can snowmobile every day. (laughs) Exactly. Because there's so much joy to be found in, in building something that adds value to others. I I love that. You know, just as a side note, too, I I don't know if this has anything to do with this podcast or not, but I was just thinking the other day, after this life, if we were to look back on our life, how much of what we do would be about promoting and developing ourselves, and I want this to come across in the right way, versus if we had a life review where we took ourselves out of the equation and simply the review only consisted of what value we provided to others, what would that review look like? And where I tend to find the people, the entrepreneurs who are the most happy, the most satisfied with what they're doing, are the people that are thinking that way. In other words, it's not just about me and how do I get my own here. It's about how do we create value for other people? How do we lift them, help them in whatever it might be, whether it's <laughs> whether it's freight auditing, uh in any industry, the thought process similar. It's how do we add value to other people? Those tend to be, in my experience, the entrepreneurs and business leaders who are the ones that are the one who are the people finding the most satisfaction. They have this outward mindset and maybe because that's less applicable to the industry and it's more to what you're doing of serving people. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
2: Yeah. Great, great point. I mean, I, I agree. I think that, you know, um, as you're talking about that, I'm, I'm thinking about where I get my value. I mean, that, that's it is that, you know, it's really satisfying for me to create something that add, you know, from nothing. And you go through that artistic period that adds value to other people and they get excited about, you know, and they thank you for it. And, you know, it helps them in what they're doing. I mean, I I love it. That, that to me is my life's work.
1: Yeah. And isn't that the ultimate question? Because if, if we're asking that question, this is now starting to get all fired up and excited here, Rob, if we can, (laughs) if we ask that question as entrepreneurs or leaders or just people in general, what can I do to serve others? What can we do to provide value to someone else? The money tends to follow that. So it's no longer so much about the money, and the money trail follows that. But that's where you're out there really impacting people. So much easier to maintain a passion when you are influencing people's lives. Uh, So that is something that gets me excited. Well, Rob, we're just about out of time here. So why don't you just share with some of the folks that are listening to this podcast how they can find out more about you, how they can find out more about Grow, because certainly there are a lot of people that could use your services. I've seen it. Uh, very valuable to companies, and so how could they find out more about you and grow? Yeah,
2: best way is just go to the website. It's grow dot com. Really easy. They can go and reach out to us there. I keep a close eye on things, and so you can uh, fill out a form, and most likely I'll I'll um, I'll see that. So grow dot com is where you go.
1: Perfect. And here's Rob's cell phone number. Just write this down. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Grow is a fabulous country or company. I highly encourage anyone that is wanting to scale their business or start their business and really get those KPIs and metrics in a single place to go look at that because what he's created is is phenomenal and it is disruptive. So he's done something great. Well, Rob, thanks so much for taking the time to be on this podcast. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Hey,
2: thanks, Rob. Appreciate it.
1: All right, to all our listeners, thanks for being here again. Entrepreneur Success Bootcamp twice a year. Go look at that. This is a sample of the type of ideas and content you'll get there. And we sure appreciate you. And again, remember that one person can make a difference.
0: And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We wanna know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there, as well as the show notes page, where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.